good afternoon. My name is uh, Ray Montgomery, and you're listening to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And today I have with me Mr. Chris Dunleavy. How's it going, Chris? Great, thank you. All right. Well, Chris, I just wanted to bring you on the podcast uh, several different reasons. I know you in our rehab department. I know you have a very interesting story as well. So, Chris, what um, do you do here at Bosma Enterprises? Uh, Currently, my role here at Bosma is uh, Programs Outreach and Education Coordinator, uh, which is a long-winded title that uh, boiled down basically means I go out into the public uh, trying to create contacts with businesses and other organizations just so I can share with them what we do here at Bosma, uh, all the great things that are going on. And also to demonstrate how an individual who is blind or visually impaired, such as myself, uh, is able to go out and uh, uh, get a job, uh, get into the work environment, do different tasks uh, using, you know, uh, whether it's software, whether it's uh, Braille, uh, all all the different uh, adaptive uh, techniques that we have. And uh, just demonstrate some of those skills to uh, employers to help educate them. And hopefully, in the in the end, that leads to uh, job opportunities, possibly internships, or whatever the the case may be. So, when you say you go out to different uh, organizations, what type of places do you uh, visit? It is all across the board, really. It is, uh, I you know, I think primarily trying to uh, reach out to businesses and employers. Uh, to uh, you know, combat the uh, you know, actually, I think now we're down here in Indiana to sixty-two percent unemployment rate for people who are blind or visually impaired. So, just trying to talk with uh, you know businesses, organizations that hire people, and uh, trying to uh, talk to them about the uh, the possibility of working with individuals who are blind or visually impaired, uh, giving them an opportunity to. Uh, uh, to work, uh, regain employment, and uh, hopefully just get the ball rolling from there. Yeah, definitely um, making people more aware of what the capabilities of people who are blind or visually impaired exactly. are. Yeah, exactly. Be, be, because really it's, it, it, it's a situation where, rightfully so, I think a lot of people who have not been around others who are blind or visually impaired, they... They don't really know a lot about it. They don't exactly. know what we can and can't do. They don't know what they're supposed to say and what they're not supposed to say or what they're supposed to do and not do. You know, all those exactly. things. So just going out and trying to, uh, to to educate as much as possible, make them feel uh, comfortable around me as well as others who are, are you know, have lost their vision. Um, you know, just so that, you know, if someone does walk into their office looking for work, uh, they they uh, you know they're they're not scared off by that, or they're not made to feel uncomfortable by that. Instead, they they just uh, uh, you know they review that person's background just like they would anyone else who doesn't have a disability. So you say you go out to different places and you talk to them about Bosma. So transportation, I know, is a big issue with people who are blind or visually impaired now yeah. you have a driver that assists you you know i i use any and every means available uh you know i i, I live here in indianapolis and uh so so basically i utilize uh yellow cab 
I utilize Uber, Lyft. I utilize the Indigo fixed route buses. Mm -hmm. I utilize the Indigo open door buses. I utilize friends, family, any way possible. So so for example, uh, for me, uh, a lot of times what I'll do is, so so I get Indigo vouchers um, on a monthly basis, hopefully. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's, <laughs> right. a, it's a lottery yeah, yes. system, right? Yes. So, uh, so with that, I, you know, basically we apply for, uh, you know, for someone who has a disability, uh, we can apply for uh, ten vouchers a month uh, through Indigo, and that allow if if we get them, because I think it's what the first fifty-five so, or sixty-five, something like that. Something yeah, like but that. It's, it's, it's luck of the draw. It with is. That. It's yeah. total lottery system. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if I'm able to get those, those allow me with one voucher, I can go anywhere uh, within Marion County that I need to. So, so usually what I'll do is I will first utilize those uh, to get to work uh, because I have a, a, uh, uh, a gentleman with Yellow Cab that I have uh, developed uh, you know, contact with and, mm-hmm. and he's someone that I can trust and rely upon. Yes. Uh, so, so Lamont, if you're out there listening by chance, uh, thanks for all your help. Uh, basically, I can text him the day before and just say, hey, you know, is there any chance you can pick me up you know, at my home at such and such time to take me into work? And you know, so he, he's usually always on time. He'll get me into work, make sure I get, uh, or wherever I need to go, he'll, he'll get me there on time. Then in the evenings, when time is not as critical, uh, you know, I'll use some. Sometimes I use Open Door. Sometimes the new system I've developed is I will. There's a bus outside of our building that I will catch. It's the 37. It takes me up to Traders Point. I get off at Traders Point, hop on the 86, which takes me over to Community North, which at that point is still about a 10 minute ride from my home. So then from there, I will request an Uber or Lyft to pick me up, uh, which is about a 10-minute fare. Uh, so, so it saves me a little bit of money. Because yeah. if, I, if I were to take Uber or Lyft from our offices here at Bosma, that's about a $28 or $29 fare. So, so it saves me a lot of money that oh, way. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, so, so I use any and all uh, means available. But, but definitely transportation is is uh, one, one of the biggest challenges we, we, we face to make sure that we get uh, to jobs, to uh, the bank, grocery stores, wherever the case may be. And, and one thing, it's always a trick. One thing about transportation, like you said, you named off various different transportation services that can assist you getting around. And definitely when you said about what you said about Yellow Cab, mm-hmm. forming that relationship with the driver is a great thing because you have someone that you can form that bond with, you could trust, you can rely on sometimes. So, yeah, you it, know. It, it really is necessary because, uh, for example, where I live out on the northeast side of town, if I were to call Yellow Cab, uh, and obviously I, you know, I, I use Yellow Cab, I love Yellow Cab, but, and, and they know it, they have a hard time serving uh, the areas that are outside of the downtown area. So, so if I were to call Yellow Cab, it may be an hour before they can get someone out there. So, so that's mm-hmm. why developing that relationship with uh, one of the drivers, so that you know you can uh, reach out to them, or you know, if he's not available, then then someone else someone to see else. if they, uh, you know, if I can prearrange the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the pickup. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a great thing. But once we get over that transportation hurdle, I believe, you know, the playing field is more leveled in a sense because now you get there to your uh, outreach, you know, where you're doing the outreach at. Yeah. You're able to set up, you know, your paperwork and your materials are at. Yep. And you're, you can do it right there. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, and the thing that I've, I've come to realize is planning and preparing is such a big part of what we do now. It's like, you know, so, oh, yeah. so, so not only, you know, so, so I'm, I, I'm arranging my transportation. Um, you know, if I'm going to an outreach event, let's say I've already talked to the person ahead of time to say, all right, uh, you know, I, I, I've lost my vision. You know, I'll probably, you know, I just need some help telling me exactly where I need to go or have someone meet me or, or something of that nature. And, you know, and, and so, that way I can get to wherever I need to be going because I'm assuming it's a new location that I've not been to before right. in, in a lot of cases, which is always, you know, a lot more challenging. I mean, if, we, if we've been there and we're familiar with the with the uh, environment, then, you know, it's a lot easier for us to navigate around just off of memory uh, and utilizing our, uh, our, our white cane. But for new places... It can be it can be pretty pretty tricky to try and get around. So I, I will usually call in advance just to get a lay of the land uh, to figure out where exactly I need to be going and see if someone can can connect up with me to uh, to guide me the rest of the way. And, and then even beyond that, for example, if I have a, a table, an outreach table. Yeah, you know, so I, so I take a, I mean, it's almost like a big suitcase with yeah, me, yeah, and uh, you know, so, so so we're we're putting it together in advance, you know, putting our stuff in there in a certain way, so that when we take it out um, and, and put it onto the table, we know exactly what it is, and you know, the you know, ha- have it face in a certain direction, or we have a paper clip on one end mm-hmm. to make sure that. You know the right way is facing up, and the you know the the appropriate materials facing outward. So just little tricks like that, you know, uh, to to help uh, organize all of our materials. Uh, and I think you know I think that just goes along with whether it's our personal lives, uh, you know, in terms of our clothing. I mean, oh, I think yeah. we organize our clothing in a certain way that 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 helps us to uh, keep track of it or memorize it or or you know whatever the case may be but also in our professional lives you know whether we're in the office environment uh you know having having all of our stuff in a certain spot so that we can uh find it and and easily uh access it or whether we're going out somewhere else yeah i'm I'm gonna tell you i don't know i know you got children like i have children so once they move your stuff (laughs) It throws me into a panic right yes, now. I'm like, yes. why did you touch my stuff? Like, it was sitting right here before I left. It could right. be the simplest thing, but we know it's going on. Yes. So, yep, absolutely. You don't think we know, but we know. I yep. Can see. Yep. One, one, one of the jokes that I like to tell is uh, one of the worst form of punishments for, a, uh, for someone who is blind or visually impaired is to... Uh, rearrange the furniture oh yeah you know so so, yeah. so basically and it's kind of it's kind of fun that you know I, I can now laugh about it my family can laugh about it you know yeah so sometimes things by accident are left out and sometimes yeah. just to uh, mess around with uh, dear old dad they'll, yeah. <laughs> they'll, yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll play tricks on me yeah. every so often but uh, yeah. yeah having things in a particular order 
uh, is very important. And, and when it's not, it, it can certainly uh, uh, create some problems. Especially when you're on that time constraint. So yeah. I got to get out the door and right. all of a sudden I can't find my cane. I might not be going to work today. <laughs> right. Yep, exactly. I can't tell you how many times... Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm like racing around to get ready. And yeah. for some reason, I can't find my shoes. You know, it's yeah, like, oh, yeah, how yeah. did I not put them in the same spot that I normally do? And uh, so either I messed up or, yeah. or uh, one of my family members has put them somewhere else. So I have to uh, hope that uh, one of them might be around to, uh, yeah. to find them. Otherwise, I have to uh, switch wardrobes real, real quick. Yep. Yeah. So, um, of course, how long have you been visually impaired or blind? Sure. I uh, So I had perfect vision up until I was 32 or so. And then uh, it was at that time I, I went out to play golf with my wife in uh, uh, Palm Springs. She actually had a, a work conference out there, so I, I tagged along. And uh, we went out to the golf course, and I could see to put the ball down on the tee. I could see to swing and hit it. But as soon as I hit it, I, I, I wasn't picking it up, and I, I couldn't see where the ball was going. Hmm. So that was that was my first clue that, that something really wasn't right. And and so uh, so after that, you know, a few more things kind of popped up, and I realized something's not right. So I went to the uh, I went to just a regular eye doctor, and uh, thinking, you know, I guess it was wishful thinking yes. that it would be a prescription, you know, just easy fix. And so they did give me a prescription, uh, and that, of course, did not work. Uh, so then they sent me to an ophthalmologist, a neuro-ophthalmologist, and finally I found myself uh, at Midwest Eye Institute talking to a retina specialist. And uh, uh, they, it was at that time that they diagnosed me as having cone rod dystrophy. So, uh, so then it was about a, say, a 10 to 12-year period where I just slowly lost my vision over that time. And, uh, so, so it's, you know, it was one of those where I, you know, th there's pros and cons to it, I think, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, certainly it's, as I was going along, I would kind of figure something out and then I would lose some more vision. So it's almost like the, the goal line kept moving, you, you know, right. I, every time I would kind of figure something out, you know, I would lose a little bit more vision and I'd have to, you know, readjust, you know. So, so yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, it's probably been going on the last, for me, uh, last 14 years. But, but really over the last two years, I think it's stabilized to the point where now I can see uh, light perception. I can see, depending upon the lighting, I can see outlines and, and sil silhouettes, mm -hmm. uh, but can't really make out faces, eye color, hair color hair length or any, any of that stuff. So how did you, um, how did you get involved with Bosman Enterprises? So after I had stopped working, um, you know, following my vision loss. Let's go back for yeah. a second. You, you was talking about, I know prior to you losing your vision, you were a lawyer, correct? Correct. Correct. So, so I worked, uh, in real estate law okay. uh, for a, uh, financial, uh, uh, company, uh, a, a tile insurance company. So I was their state counsel and, and basically would uh, advise our clients and employees as to uh, residential and commercial transactions. Okay. And uh, so I, obviously that was a very visual job, you know, a lot of reviewing documents, mm -hmm. reviewing, reviewing paperwork, uh, you know, reviewing cases, uh, legislation, things of that nature. 
And so when I when I was losing my vision and it got to the point where I could no longer see to use the computer, if someone would walk in and hand me a document, I could no longer read it. That's that, that's when it really got yeah. serious. I, I stopped working at that point, and I, I, I took you know there was a time where I really struggled to adjust to uh, my new reality, yes. and uh, you know which I think a lot of people. Yeah. Who have lost their vision? You know, they go through that. You know, there's there's the physical side of it, but there's also that that mental side of it. And and it took me a good year and a half, almost two years, before you know, finally got to the point where I was I was having dinner with my uh, with my family one night, and I, we were just talking about whatever. And and uh, my son asked me the question. He's like, Dad, you know, do, do you think you'll ever work again? And at the time, I was like. I, I have no idea. I, I don't know. And, and and I just really thought about that. And, and and I think that, you know, for all of us, we face reality at some point in our lives. Yeah. You know, it comes in a lot of different forms. And, you know, for me, having two kids, two young kids, uh, it was really important for me to set the example. You know, I wanted to be able to demonstrate to them and then tell them that, hey, we're all going to face adversity what is important is how we deal with it. You know, we have to be able to to attack it and, and go after it and, and be able to adapt to it uh, because this big old world is going to keep on spinning. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah. that's you know, one so, thing people don't build life. Life definitely will right. go on, even though we think, oh man, it stopped. But right. life is still going on outside those doors. Yep. And one thing that I would like to say to anyone who is facing any type of adversity, whether it's blindness or amputee or whatever they may be going through uh, or really want to talk to the the person that's dealing with that person because you know you got to give that person time yes it's not like okay i'm about to oh i'm blind let me just go out here and go to bosman no it's really like you have to be ready and then once you're ready you know you're ready to move on and then now that you know that you can move on you don't want to stop right because like <laughs> i had to get kicked in my butt you know what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah. i mean for real like sometimes yeah. that you just really have to Someone just had to show you that tough love sometimes. It's true, and and it, it well, that strength you will make you stronger in the long run. But yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because I I think you'll agree with this that we all kind of have our own timetable. I mean, there's yeah. no prescription for uh, you know how quickly we we adapt to it and, and adjust to it. You know, we kind of have to first come to terms with our new reality and accept it. You know, and, and everyone does it kind of in their in their own terms and on their own time, you know. And and so for me, yeah, I mean, it, it was a good uh, year and a half, two years before I finally said, all right, I'm going to I'm going to call vocational rehabilitation, which I did. I went I met with them. They then uh, referred me to uh, Bosma's Rehabilitation Center. And uh, so that was really my first exposure to to Bosma, which when I when I first went to uh, the uh, the rehabilitation program, I, I didn't fully know what to expect. You know, it's right. it's one of those where, you know, admittedly, I was I was somewhat uh, reserved in terms of uh, my expectations. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's just amazing how when you, you get there and you start going through and you, you start learning uh, some of the the different adaptive skills and and you have the opportunity to talk to other clients who are, who are going through that shared experience and uh, you know being able to talk to people who 
are blind working at Bosma and you, you can hear that they've reached a point, you know, they, they've reached a point of happiness and, and, uh, and understanding. And, and that really was, was important for me to, uh, to experience that and understand that there is life beyond vision loss. You so know? Was, was that your first time meeting someone who was blind and visually impaired or have you had interactions before you came to Bosma? I had met, so, so when I was first losing my vision, uh, so, so my, my, my wife, Ann, she, she is a, uh, definitely a type A personality. And so when I'm, I'm losing my vision, you know, my, my first, my, my reaction to it was to uh, just try and hide and conceal it as much as possible. Yeah. She went out and she uh, happened, I, I'm not sure how she was introduced to another individual who had lost his vision. And so she introduced me to him. And so he's telling me all these things that he's able to do. And honestly, I, I just wasn't ready at that time. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that, that was, but that was really my first time that I'd met someone, uh, who, you know, who, who is blind. And unfortunately, I, I just wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah. And so I wasn't ready and willing to accept learning all the stuff that I needed to, because I was still trying to hold on to doing things the old way with vision, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, so, so I kind of had to reach that low point before I was ready to, to just open up and, and start learning. Yeah, you're right. Cause I don't know. It's something about women and they yep. know they, they have to do a sneaky stuff behind our back, <laughs> but it's actually for our yeah, best interest. Like, it's like, like my mother did the same thing. Like yeah. when I lost my sight, I didn't, really know anyone but next thing I know I was meeting two guys who were blind and she had me in there and they were talking to me about life but you know it's yeah. my age at the time and I was still in denial yep. like, okay I'm gonna have surgery and this will be over with you know what I'm saying absolutely that's what I was thinking I in the back of my mind but yep uh, as you can see that didn't happen so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, surgery work but you know we could, I could laugh about it now but right. it's just that women they have that instinct and they do and I'm glad for them but Yep. Uh, yeah. So back you now you're at Bosma, you're doing the rehab thing. Mm -hmm. um, how did? What did you want to take away from the rehab center? I'll tell you what. Just for, for me, learning the skills. I mean, because you basically have to rewire your mind. You know, yeah. we're, we're raised and we're taught to do things using our vision to such a large extent. So. You know, when when that sense uh, goes away for whatever reason, and we have to figure out how to do all those things that once were so natural to us in a different way. You know, for me, just going through and step by step learning how to use a cane, you know, so that I could get from point A to point B. Uh, and then it was learning Braille, learning how to read Braille and, and uh, you know, learning all the, the communication options that are available, such as uh, Newsline, uh, such as the Talking Books program, because yes. I, I love reading, you yeah. know, so, so being able to, to uh, have access to audio books. Uh, and then, you know, just the idea of going through the technology part of it. Because for me, when I went to Bosma, my, my primary objective and goal was to get back to work. And so for me, a, a big piece of that was learning the technology so that I could, once again, use a computer uh, to be able to get back into the office environment. So, uh, so, so just methodically going, I, I worked with uh, Solomon Hader uh, in our uh, AT lab, and he just 
methodically took me through, uh, you know, typing wasn't really an issue for me, but we put dots all over the keyboard so that I could rest my hands in a comfortable spot, knowing where the keys were um, and understanding where all the keys were at that point. Then we just went through Microsoft Word, how to be able to create a document, how to be able to modify and alter a document, how to save a document, all of those necessary things through Microsoft Outlook, email, uh, Excel, uh, being able to, to navigate the internet, all of that. And it just, in, in learning that, it just really started to give me a confidence level. I, I, I could just sense my confidence yeah. growing, you know, as I went through the program. And, and it really was a, was a pretty empowering uh, experience. For so me. for all those who do not know, you are using a screen reader when you're using Microsoft Word, using a screen reader called JAWS, which will convert that text to a speech output. So you're able to read uh, documents, you're able to do get on the internet, you're able to do Facebook, all of those things your counted, excuse me, your sighted peers are doing. So yep, absolutely. And, kind- and I can actually make an argument that someone utilizing JAWS, the screen reader, can work more efficiently on a computer than a person who is using the uh, the point and click method. You know, yeah. someone who's using JAWS and using the key commands uh, can really navigate quickly and efficiently uh, on a computer. It's it, it's actually a pretty amazing uh, thing to behold. I mean, it's it, it really can make someone who's uh, blind or visually impaired, a lot more efficient within the uh, within the work environment. Let's let's talk about hobbies. What what do you like to do when you're not working here at Bosworth Enterprises? What kind of hobbies? What kind of things you and your family like to do? Sure. So uh, prior to losing my vision, I, I I've always been uh, an active uh, person from an athletic standpoint, and so so for me, uh, I I had. Uh, you know, played golf a lot, played tennis a lot. Uh, I had I had run in uh, four marathons and I think like 12, 11, 11 or twelve uh, half marathons here in Indianapolis, and uh, so so that really was a big part of 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 who I was. So when I lost my vision, uh, there was a time where I thought I I kind of lost the ability to do all of those things as well and. Unfortunately, when I was at Bosma, uh, I you know two people in particular that are that are true mentors for me. Uh, one is uh, Kurt Dykeman, and the other is James Michaels. And for me, uh, both talking with them on a professional basis, uh, Kurt is our uh, the manager of our rehab center at Bosma, and uh, James is our vice president of programs. And uh, so obviously from a professional standpoint, it was great for me to, uh, to be able to talk to them, but also on a, you know, just a personal level. Because if, if you've ever had a chance to talk to Kurt Dykeman, he is one of the most positive guys out there. And to him, there are no limits. And so I would, I, I would talk to him about how he uh, plays golf all the time and I would talk to him about how he does downhill snow skiing uh, which I had done previously as well and uh, so I'm like wow you're able to do that without any vision 
and um, and, and so I'm really uh, proud to say that uh, since graduating with you know, the, the rehab program I have played golf uh, on multiple occasions not great but I played, which is which is all that So how did, how did you how do you play golf when you can't see the yeah. blind? I mean the you know the balls. Yeah, it, it it is still pretty tough, no doubt. But basically, uh, that uh, whoever I'm playing with, they will line me up. Mm-hmm. So when I'm on the tee, they'll line me up. Uh, you know, kind of you know tell me what is out there uh, in terms of uh, where I'm where I need to be hitting the ball and things of that nature. And I basically just swing, you yeah. know, it, it, it's all just muscle memory. Yeah. I swing yeah. and I, I can usually hit it. Yeah. Um, when I'm putting, usually they will say, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll kind of line me up and then they'll say, all right, you have a putt that is, it's about 15 feet. You're going uphill or downhill, whichever the case may be. And uh, from there, I just, you know, just, uh, uh, take a swing at it and see what happens. Yeah. So, so really, I mean, it, it's not the same as what it once was, but it, but it's still awesome just to be able to go out there with some friends. Or uh, you know, I played in the uh, in Bosma's uh, uh, golf outing the last couple of years, which has been a lot of fun. So just being able to uh, to uh, hang out with with others and ride in the cart and take yeah. some swings right. and uh, you know all those things. It, it's been fantastic. It's all about like having that opportunity, yeah. being out there, fellowshipping with your friends, yeah. and really just trying to bring a sense of, of just being normal. Like, we, I mean, we're normal already, but it's yeah. just like you want to still kind of enjoy some of those same things. Even like even though I got I got three boys, so sometimes I got to get out there and throw the football. I might not always catch it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they might hit me a couple times with the football, but yeah. <laughs> it's just having that opportunity and letting them know that you're still you and yeah. You still want to enjoy the same things. So, so yeah, I, I can totally relate, you know, because you, you do want to uh, continue to interact with your kids uh, doing some of those things that, uh, that that they love to do. You know, whether it's like you're saying, throwing a football. Uh, my family loves to go skiing. Um, it's never been one of my favorite things to yeah. do and not something I'm great at, but 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 uh, not this winter, but the last winter I went out to Utah and, and, and went skiing with my family. So so just really being able to continue to do those types of activities uh, with your family and continue to demonstrate to them that I'm not gonna let this hold me back. I'm gonna keep moving forward, I'm gonna keep doing things, I'm gonna keep active. Uh, I think I think that's pretty uh, uh, for me that that's a pretty powerful statement that I can make to my kids. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. One just random question I was looking up for before I had from before you came on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I said let me just ask Chris just a random question, break <laughs> it up a little bit. Yeah. If you could be any type of animal, what would you be? If I could be any type of animal, I'll tell you what. What I have always been infatuated with monkeys. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I, yeah. I just love how they yeah. they seem to have such a, a free attitude and yeah. spirit about them. And they go swinging around right. in the trees and, and all those things. So, yeah, I, I, I've always just loved the uh, the idea of, of uh, monkeys and, and watching and observing them. And, and uh, you know, I just I, I've, I've always been 
fascinated uh, by them. And uh, so, yeah, that, that, that would probably be the animal yeah, that I would they, select. They, they are curious uh, beings. Right they are. There. Absolutely. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Strong, too, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> right. Very strong. But yep. Cool, cool. Well, last question here, Chris. If okay. you could tell anyone one thing who just recently lost their sight, what would you tell them? There is life after sight. Uh, yeah, probably... You know, there certainly is an adjustment period that everyone has to go through to, to figure out how to adapt to it. And everyone has to go through it in their own time and in their own way. Uh, but it's important to keep moving forward. It's important to keep learning, to open your mind to doing things uh, in a different way. Open your mind to uh, learning how to... Uh, read Braille, learning how to use a cane, all of those things, and, and really just not limiting ourselves. I mean, I, I, I really do believe that uh, one of our biggest limitations is our own mind, you yeah. know, and, right. and I think we have to, we have to be able to understand that uh, people who are uh, blind or visually impaired have so many other abilities and, and uh, things that they are able to, to do and, and really make such a, a tremendous impact within the community. And, and, and I'll tell you what, I, one of the things that has probably had uh, such a profound impact on me is, uh, you know, on a daily basis, I am the recipient of random acts of kindness by so many other people. I mean, whether it's someone just opening a door for me, yeah. offering to you know, guide me somewhere, what, whatever the case may be. And, and I'll tell you what, it, it really is pretty powerful when you can uh, have the opportunity to understand and appreciate the, the goodness in other people and how they really do want to help. You know, it's, you know we, we, we get kind of stuck in the mud because we're used to doing things on our own. And we really do have to open our minds to uh, allowing other people to help us, you know, and allowing yeah. others to uh, be a part of of uh, growing and, and, and learning. So, uh, so certainly that's uh, that, that is definitely one of the things that's had the biggest impact upon me. Cool. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Chris, for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. And uh, if anyone wants to get in contact with you for outreach purposes, how can they reach you? Absolutely, yes. They can call me at 317-704-8767 or by email at chrisd, as in Dunleavy, at bosma.org. All right. And if anyone out there needs any type of service or you deal with any type of visual impairment, um, please visit us on the web at www.bosma.org. And uh, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and I'm going to catch you guys next week. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>